The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here, and welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. And with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. And today, I'm so excited to have as my guest a personal growth rock star and dear friend, Mastin Kip. And we'll be discussing leadership, authenticity, vulnerability, and the role of emotions in business. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Mastin. He is a thought leader, author, and founder of thedailylove.com. He recently appeared on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday to share his story, and his new book, The Daily Love, Growing into Grace, is gaining praise by such luminaries as Tony Robbins and Marianne Williamson. And in the words of Arianna Huffington, quote, Daily Love is a powerful story of one man's turning his life around and sharing lessons he learned along the way. In it, Mastin Kip emerges as a leader for a younger generation, for those who long to live lives that are more passionate and soulful. His journey from crisis to grace is an inspiration, unquote. So those are fine words from Ariana Huffington. So Mastin, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Hey, Olivia. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So I just wanted to say that having a personal growth rock star on my business show is a bit of a departure, but... So many of my guests have talked about the theory of leadership, and for my listeners, I feel like your life story and personal mission is just a beautiful example of true visionary leadership. Mm. So I think we have a lot to learn from you. And I'd also like to... (laughs) Thanks. Um, So I wanted to share, too, we first met about 10 years ago at a Noetic Sciences conference. I know. Crazy. (laughs) I was a music manager back then, just kind of briefly looking into this world, and uh, I'll never forget meeting you. That was an awesome time. And when I found out that you were the host of the show, I was like, yes, I remember her from (laughs) literally 10 years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, because we were both kind of seeking, and I was trying to figure out what to do next in my life, and I think you shared you were at a turning point in your life on a spiritual search, and and now you have hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers and readers of your daily blog from thedailylove.com, and and I think your followers appreciate your vulnerability and your humor and your authenticity, all great qualities of a leader, by the way, and see you as a contemporary thought leader and moral compass when seeking mm-hmm. spiritual direction. Um, and you often attribute this to the fact that you're just like us. You admit to being messed up, imperfect, and, a re- and really good at making mistakes. <laughs> yes, so can you, share, <laughs> can you share what led you to this path and what are some of the challenges and successes along the way? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, um, the reason that I do what I do is because uh, I went through my own rock bottom, actually, too. And um, in trying to find results for myself, realized that a lot of people are asking questions like, what's my purpose? Why was I born? How did I end up here? I'm a good person. Um, how do I find love and romance in a relationship? How do I make money uh, in a spiritual vocation that I love? And I, I found out that I wasn't really the only person asking these questions. And so as I decided to solve these questions for myself, I realized that, you know, ultimately what's going to bring fulfillment to my life will be, um, you know, passing it forward and, and really working with other people. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't always have that perspective. Um, you know, I'm from Kansas and uh, moved out to Los Angeles at a young age and got into the Hollywood scene and, and uh, you know, the music business and became a manager in the music business very young, um, acquired sort of the cliche Hollywood addictions, um, but hit a very <laughs> serious rock bottom um, after hitting a, a peak in the music business. And that's really what drove me to ask some of these deep, profound questions, and it drove me to all kinds of teachers like Wayne Dyer and Deepak and Eckhart and just on and on and on, Stephen Covey and Tony Robbins and just on and on and on. Mm. Um, and what I found was um, I, wasn't, I, I didn't know about things like market analysis or competitive <laughs> analysis. I just knew, like, wow, I'm you know, in my 20s, and I've never heard this stuff before. Why mm. not? And what, where are people that are my age talking about this? So I just decided to, you know, put it, you know, start reading and putting this out there. I mean, I started all the way back in MySpace days, if you can remember that long ago. Yeah. Um, which in, in internet terms might as well be like a century ago. But, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and then just, you know, started putting it out there. And, and what kept me going was really seeing that people, when we put stuff out there, needed it, you know. Mm. Um, so that's really what sustained me. And then, you know, we've been able to really figure out an ethical business model that produces abundance for me and, and our team um, and in a way that serves people no matter what their price points are. Um, and it's been a really incredible journey um, to really be able to take all the pain that I've been through and turn that into something that can serve other people and help take away some of their pain. Well, that's really fascinating. So as you know, I'm a bit older than you, but I do share a lot of the aspects of your search. And I think the younger people are just more in, innately or naturally hungry for this, you know, almost like there's a new human coming through? Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Well, I can definitely tell you that um, what I've noticed is that um, vulnerability has been something that has not been praised for a long time because, um, you know, back in the caveman days, vulnerability equals death. And that's Mm. been inside our genes for a long time. And even if you look back at Richard Gere, when he came out as a Buddhist not that long ago, a couple decades Mm. ago, it was just uproar. and, you know, there used to be a major cliche to um, be, be in therapy um, or have some mental health diagnosis. And, you know, one of the reasons why the 12-step process is anonymous is because when Bill W. founded the 12-step process, it was like literally like a moral, um, you know, you were a moral pariah if you were an alcoholic, wow. something was wrong with you. And I think that we're just learning that, you know, as the world gets smaller through technology and just the, what we've been going through, that, you know, a lot of us have challenges. And for the most part, the things that we're going through um, aren't moral issues. It's more of a medical issue. That There's something going on inside our body that we need to really, you know, correct. And mm-hmm. I think that's becoming more and more socially acceptable. And I think that... Um, I don't know if a new human is emerging, Noeticus, um, <laughs> as Carolyn Mays talks about, but I do think that there's definitely um, more acceptance to this conversation. It's, it's a lot more mainstream. And the reason why it's a lot more mainstream is because it's, necess- it's a necessary conversation that has to happen. People are hungry for tools about how to transform their life and get back to what's most important um, because, you know, it's been, it's, been, it's been rough the last few years and people are asking a lot more important questions. Does that make sense? It does, and I do. So maybe the the new human. I'm taking that from the work of Barbara Marks Hubbard, who's going to be on in a few weeks. You know, she's sort of hoping this human 2.0 comes through. But um, but I do think that the people your age are asking more of these questions than the people yes. my age. I mean, yes. I'm not sure, but that's been my experience. Although, well, do you think technology? I know it helps this, but I almost think too that it it changes the brain to just be more comfortable with connection? Do you know what I mean? Well, I can definitely tell you that um, technology um, can be good or bad, um, depending Mm. on how you use it. Um, You know, technology and the Internet um, allows people to do illegal activities and do things that are morally wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. It also allows people like me to spread a message of personal growth and inspiration and personal freedom. So, you know, I think um, it's all how we use technology. But I Mm -hmm. think what's happening is that, you know, before your social circle was the people around you. And now you're realizing that there are a lot of people out there all over the world that are just like you. And with one push of a button, you can find like-minded people, like-minded information. So we're educating ourselves faster. And we're finding Mm -hmm. peer groups of people who can really allow us to be our authentic selves a lot faster. So I think that's really what's shifting. And, you know, I got to be honest, I've had 
we got people in our seminar that are nine years old, seven years old, and we got people in there that are 90 years old. And mm. I think everyone, for the most part, is interested in the same thing. I just think that, um, you know, a younger generation has embraced it as sort of normal, whereas um, before it was kind of a, you know, a sign of weakness. And I think mm-hmm. that asking for help now is, 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 is a cool thing. Yeah, and I, the work, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown's work on oh, yes, vulnerability and yep. and now her stuff on shame, which um, I just think is so powerful because it's really used in many ways to manage people, even to buy things, right? We're shamed into not looking right or not being perfect, and um, and that's just getting all exposed as well. So, that's right. Um, I think, yeah, it's a great thing. So... There's actually a lot coming out now about vulnerability for leaders, and I don't know if you've you've sort of been a, a, a manager of a business. Um, how do you think it helps for a leader to be vulnerable, let's say, in a company? Do you have sure. thoughts about that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's great that you mentioned Brene, because Brene, a researcher from Houston, has actually found that managers who lead with vulnerability are actually more productive because, A, it inspires the people to come together. Like, hey, guys, I have this problem. Can you help me? Versus get your job done, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's just how you approach people. For me and my business, we have a, a small team, about seven people. And the way that I manage them is I'm, I'm very open about what we're going through. Um, I create a dialogue between everybody. And the other thing is that is that um, what I know about human beings is that we're all on some level just looking to be heard. Uh, um, yes. We just started a new business, um, and you know, um, in the partners in that business, both people was disagreement. Both people wanted to be heard, and one person uh, wanted to be heard. The other person didn't want to be heard because they were scared, right? And mm-hmm. so. And this is creating business turmoil. But if you can really start to understand that ultimately every person just wants to be heard and to be seen, and that's a huge value. And a lot of times, um, especially in business, it's like shut up and do your job. The problem is, is that, you know, that doesn't serve the individual. And so in the type of business that we run, we know that um, our business has brought us together not only to, you know, produce profit, but also for the purpose of serving our clients and serving our, ourselves. And also, we know that we are going to self-actualize through our business. We're going to grow through our business. We're going to get our rough edges sort of, you know, grinded down against each other through our business. And so we know that. And we encourage people to make mistakes. We encourage people to fail because that's how you learn and grow. Now, if you make the same mistake 10 times, it's a different story. But we mm-hmm. don't have a culture of fear. We have a culture of really openness and vulnerability. And it really brings together a really tight-knit team that can band together when you need the most. And um, that are really that creates a really just a powerful culture for not only productivity but profitability. And also, um, I'm a serial monogamist when I hire people, so I don't like to like hire and fire people really fast. I like to create a long running team that knows each other, that can anticipate each other, that can support each other, mm-hmm. and that's been through the tough times, so that they they really feel like they have each other's back. And um, so that's really what we. Um, uh, what we do here at the Daily Love, and we run a multi-million-dollar business that way. Wow, that's so inspiring, and it is something I'm hearing from other guests about. Well, you mentioned about being heard. I, I know I had a guest a few weeks ago who was a consultant for Campbell's Soup when they had they were really struggling, and this employee satisfaction rate was something like twelve percent positive. Wow. So he went in, and he just started to teach the managers to just go around and ask their employees, like, what do you need to be successful? And that was it. I think there were a couple more things, but not really any more money or anything, just talking to them, trying to give them what they needed. And it was the, it was an amazing turnaround um, and it saved the company. Oh, and the other thing I, I think about when I hear that is that this was something customer service departments figured out years ago and I've had this experience too where if I call in and complain and they make me wrong even if they solve the problem I don't feel good afterwards but if they just hear it and say boy I really wish I could help you uh, and I don't want them to keep saying they're sorry because that gets a little bit old but but even just saying boy that must be frustrating let me see what I can do I can't help you right now I leave feeling better so yeah it's it's great and that's also our culture with our customer service too I mean our philosophy is that we want to lose every customer service battle. Mm. 
you know. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to. We like the, the, like we want to win in certain areas. Like we want to increase our conversions and we want to cre- increase our impact, but we yeah. want to lose every customer service call that we have. I think that's another book you could write. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, you also mentioned about taking risks and allowing for mistakes, and that's a huge shift. I can remember even as recently as 10 years ago being afraid to make a mistake in business, and now they're saying things are changing so fast. You just have to push through, make them quickly, and figure them out quickly. Right. But if you're not making them, you're not trying anything new or you're not growing. So that's right. It's, certainly speaks well for what you're doing yeah Um, i mean mistakes are inevitable um so we know that Um, we're not arrogant enough to think that we're never going to make a mistake um and that gives our our employees and contractors like this this sense of certainty that like they can go do their job and Mm -hmm. that you know we're not like if you make the same mistake 10 times in a row that's a different story but in general it's really just about Live and learn, and like there's things like we're creating a business. Like there's things that we don't know yet, and we're going to get it right. And so, if people know they have the freedom to to do that, um, it just creates a better atmosphere and better culture. Yeah, that's that's great. And I also liked how you said that you don't direct people; you're more of a team player. And I actually think, and this was kind of the the genesis of the book I wrote, um, Business Intelligence Success Factors, is that everything's getting more complex. The technology has created so much complexity and specialization that it might have been 40 years ago, a CEO could do the job of everybody in a manufacturing plant, but now they can't. And I'm sure there's stuff your team does that you wouldn't be able to sit in and do. So it's almost like you have to be nice because if the CEO angers the CTO or the CIO of a company and he walks off, it could be millions of dollars lost, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely true that, like, we have people who specialize in um, certain areas that I could never do. What's interesting is that it is more complex, and at the same time, for what I do specifically, it's never been easier. It's, it's, a, it's a paradox mm. because, there, you know, you've got to really be paying attention to how you use your email marketing software, how to use Facebook, how to use social, um, how to launch programs properly, but when you get that dialed in, like we're seeing conversion rates where you spend a dollar on Facebook and you're making two fifty. So Oh my gosh. It's that's, like that's... it's like it when you dial it in, it can be a complete game changer. That's amazing. That's great. Well we are up on a break, so why don't we go to break? Um I want to just reintroduce my guest is Mastin Kip and we're talking about the daily love. And um, you can get more information at thedailylove.com, and we'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here. I'm back with Mastin Kip of The Daily Love. We're talking about his new book, Daily Love, Growing Into Grace. And we were talking before the break about how, Mastin, you're a CEO and some of the ways that you lead your company and how vulnerability is important and, and having a good team that trusts each other. And, and so I wanted to ask you, why do you feel like it's important? Because you talk about this in your book, um, important to be authentic. Sure. Well, I think, I think that the first thing we've got to do is really define what authenticity is yeah. because um, it's become sort of a scapegoat for being a brat or just dumping on people. Like, well, well I'm just going to, let me just dump all of my negativity onto you because I'm so authentic. Um, that's not what authenticity is. Um, authenticity is really getting clear about um, speaking from your heart, about what you really think and what you really feel uh, from that heart-centered place and being able to have an honest conversation. And what I found, um, which is different than a condemning or shameful conversation, uh, what I found, not only in business but in personal relationships, is that the more honest that you can be and the more that someone else can really sit and listen to someone else's truth, um, Mm -hmm. you can bond together as a team in a much better way. And so I've designed my life where, you know, in my relationship with Jenna, we have a very honest conversation. And most of our honest conversations are like, I love you. I love you, too. Um, but we also have honest conversations where, you know, something goes wrong and we want to, we want to navigate it. And the more honest we can be, the better. And the same thing is true in uh, business. When you can create an environment where it's, people are not rewarded for lying, but they're rewarded for telling the truth, Game changes happen because you get innovations in the business. People get their blind spots pointed out, and it becomes a very powerful uh, area for growth because usually between what you think and between what I think, mm-hmm. there's some truth in between those two things. And so we want to try to get to those and, again, not make it some, like, huge drama, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you you said speaking as it's your experience, so you may have one experience and Jenna might have another or an employee might have another and you don't even really know what's true until you can share it without being condemning or accusing. So that's really powerful. That's right. And I remember too reading this great article in the Harvard Business Review. Some They often have something that it really hits on sort of this emotional intelligence. Um, they said that a if a manager just feels empathy for a direct report their mirror neurons sync up. That's right. And <laughs> so, oh, which reminds me, I would love you to share, when I heard you speak a couple weeks ago live, which was so great, you mentioned that you'd had some testing done for your body balance. And I think I'm, I'm really into nutrition. I juice greens every day and I eat really good fats. I know the difference when I don't get that stuff. And, but I've never been tested, so I'd love if you would share, because I think people are so stressed out in business, and if they had better nutrition, they maybe might be happier or feel better or have more energy. Can you share that story about what tests you had and what that told you? Sure. So there is a guy, um, he's a psychiatrist, his name's Dr. Daniel Amen, and he's, uh, I think, one of the most important figures of our time, because he's a psychiatrist who actually maps the brain and looks inside the brain. And it's incredible um, what can happen when we do this. And we start to understand that, you know, uh, the true nature of addiction, the true nature of mental health, the true nature of whatever we seem to be going through that's keeping us blocked, a lot of that originates in the brain. And when you can understand how to properly nourish your brain through um, change in behavior, lifestyle change, through mm-hmm. proper anti-inflammatory eating, high fats for the brain, the brain 70% fat, through proper supplementation, and then if need be, uh, proper medication, um, it's a game changer for everything else. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, I, I got my brain scanned and I'm going through a process right now. I'm going to get scanned in another couple months to kind of see how it, how it's doing. But it's, it's incredibly powerful for, um, for what people are going through because there's, uh, you know, we think that we're bad people, but, you know, maybe we just think that the brain isn't being fed. I can tell you this happens all the time with people who are addicted to sugar, alcohol, or drugs. 
If mm-hmm. you have addiction in your life, one of the main reasons is that your brain is not well fed. And yeah, so it's like being really clear on how to feed your brain properly and also mm-hmm. how to turn your gut on and turn, get your gut working properly so that those neurotransmitters are produced. And uh, mm-hmm. you start to feel better in the body naturally. And it's very powerful. Well, and they found brain cells in the gut, right? They know now. And one of the leading causes of depression is poor bacteria balance in the gut. <laughs> so That's right. Exactly. It's uh, really powerful. And also, it reminded me when you were talking about sugar, there was a court case where somebody said, it was called the Twinkie defense, that they ate too much sugar and they got really enraged and injured or killed somebody, I forget. But um, that it people don't, <laughs> yeah, sorry. It happens big time. It big time happens. It's a huge deal. I mean, you think about what they could do. I mean, this is sort of an offshoot of the show, but if you think about what they could do with people in prisons that have done things, and, you know, many people that end up in prison don't grow up with a great nutritional diet, perhaps, or um, have things in their brain that aren't balanced. So I find it. And do you mind if I share what you started to eat, or could you share what what you learned about yourself? Well, I'm happy to do that with one caveat. Um, There's a concept which the Institute of Integrative Nutrition teaches called bioindividuality. So every person is different. Like, we all have different genes. We all have different DNA methylation. We all have different digestive processes. So what worked for me doesn't necessarily work for other people. Does that make sense? Right. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. So... um, I just want to be really clear about that. That being said, for me, um, we've increased a lot of fat in my diet, um, specifically grass-fed organic butter, um, a lot of extra virgin olive oil, believe it or not, salt. Salt is really good for the adrenals, so I do like a lot of um, you know, really awesome, powerful salt. Um, and then also lots of vegetables, lots of green vegetables, and then really clean, healthy meats, so lamb, chicken, steak, and stuff like that, Um, Mm -hmm. and then slow carbohydrates, so stuff like sweet potatoes, black beans, and stuff like that um, can be a real uh, addition because what we're trying to do is navigate uh, blood sugar levels, get proper uh, fats into the body, uh, and also, you know, give me meat. Because for me, the way that my my body's built, very Mm -hmm. important uh, to have protein from an animal and mm. that's just the way that my body works and so you know if i if i go vegan i turn into a total jerk <laughs> <laughs> i'm the same way i do need it uh, animal meat and i don't eat gluten and that's really helped as well yeah, i think you said too. you don't yeah. either yeah. yeah gluten is staying away from gluten is usually a good idea yeah it's so genetically modified these days um, that's right yeah, that's fascinating. And I do think there was a long period of time where people were told that fat made you fat, and it really doesn't. It sort of feeds the brain so you don't need the carbs, which is what makes you fat. So, well, I can um, tell you fat doesn't make you fat. I mean, canola oil maybe, but um, when you look at really yeah. healthy fats, um, you know, when we were told in the late 70s to, you know, take a low-fat diet, like it was like some of the worst uh, advice that we could get. So mm-hmm. um, it's important to uh, understand that, um, you know, you want to be looking at people like J.J. Virgin and other people about, like, what she's doing or, you know, Dr. Daniel Amen or, you know, Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof world. Like, that. that's what it's all about. So we got to really got to yeah. look at that from a, a different perspective and understand that what we've been told about diet and exercise up until now is not entirely accurate. Hmm. Well, I haven't studied too much about the the things that have changed in diet and exercise, or I mean exercise specifically, but uh, that would be really fascinating. Um, You also mentioned about changing your behavior. Do you have any tips for people maybe that they could do on a daily basis to really change the mapping of their brain or um, just to give Um, you a little personal? I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a nutrition expert. Um, so I would recommend them to like uh, you know go to Amen Clinics A M E N Clinics C L I N I C S dot com. Dr. Amen has a test you can uh, a test you can take based on the ninety thousand brain scans that he's done. You want to mm. get books like The Virgin Diet and uh, JJ Virgin's new book Sugar Impact Diet that just came out. These people are leading the way. But what I can tell you, generally speaking, you want to get the sugar out of your diet, especially mm-hmm. the agaves, the honeys, the you know cane syrup, the high fructose corn syrup, agave, all that stuff. Get that mm-hmm. stuff out of your diet. Get the gluten out of your diet. And really try to, you know, eat in an anti-inflammatory way. Trust your body. Um, you know, don't be afraid of coconut oil and butters and stuff like that. As long as they're, um, you know, uh, grass-fed butter is uh, organic is, is great. We, like, carry gold butter is really great. You want to move your body every single day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a lot to do. Um, does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I'd also like to know about, say, maybe mental exercises. I remember Louise Hay, this really helped me 20 years ago doing her affirmation tapes. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about mental exercises people could do or thinking, ways of changing your thinking. Sure. I think one of the, my favorite exercises is if you actually go to growingintograce.com, um, when, I, when you buy a copy of my book, we give away a free, free Kundalini Yoga videos. Uh, I think Kundalini Yoga is one of the most powerful mental exercises that we can do. It's so powerful at calming the mind mm. um, that what we have to start to understand is that a calm mind can actually help us make better decisions. It can help us see through when we're feeling stressed. Kundalini Yoga is, is the most important um, uh, physical process that I could I could recommend for someone to do to get their mind right, and, and it also helps bring up all the emotion, which is mm-hmm. very powerful. So that would be my uh, that would be my suggestion. So, can you just share maybe if you if you know how to like what how does Kundalini yoga differ from what other people might be doing of different kinds of yoga? What's unique about it? Um, Kundalini yoga is not um, you know up dogs and down dogs. Kundalini yoga is primarily breath, and so it just oh, helps wow. us you know um, move energy through the body because you know we store emotion in our body, and so mm-hmm. Kundalini yoga um, through breathing helps us really get tapped into how we're feeling so that we can really clear the feelings through, and um, it's primarily through breath. It's not that weird. Um, you just do some simple breathing, and um, you know things start to get the get stirred up. Well, so I would, we've got maybe four minutes to the break. Can you share, why do you think it's important to feel our emotions? Because I think many people, especially older people, have learned to just bury them. Right. And, and leaders are now saying they've, it's healthier, or people that are advising leaders are saying it's healthier to learn to process them healthily, in a healthy way. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, I think feeling our emotions is, um, like, the most important thing we could do um, mm. because our emotions have information contained in them that is real and valid, and we feel the way we feel for for a real reason. So if we can stop making ourselves wrong for feeling the way that we feel and actually have the courage to, like, really dive in there and see why we feel the way that we feel, um, mm. everything can start to change in our lives because... Um, inside those emotions really is the key to everything else that we want to do. And it's very difficult to make any changes in your life if you haven't felt your feelings. Hmm. So ultimately, we want to feel those feelings, and that will give us the ability to be honest with ourselves and from that place make changes and transformations. Does that make sense? It does. And I think in the past, either people have not learn how to feel them without acting out. So I think that's kind of a nuance um, that it's okay to feel it and it's not okay to spew anger on somebody else or whatever. Um, That's right. Yeah. And so that might even take somebody learning how to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that in the past we associate feeling our feelings as acting out and doing it in a negative way but there is a, 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 pro, a positive therapeutic process that can allow us to do that in a way that actually helps us move forward in our lives versus in the other way around. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And maybe towards the end of the show, I'll ask you to share some of the workshops and events you do that I think can give people an experience of that. Um, we're just about up on a break, so maybe this is a good time to go because um, I'd like to to tackle something you touched on when we come back, which is fear. And I love your, your thinking around that. So, um, again, my guest today is Mastin Kipp, author of Daily Love, Growing Into Grace. And we're talking about his book, as I mentioned. And you can find out more at growingintograce.com or thedailylove.com. And we'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. 
Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rudd. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here with Mast and Kip. We're talking about his book, Daily Love, Growing into Grace. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about feeling our emotions, um, how kundalini yoga can help us actually tap into that and um, you mentioned something about fear and I like when I heard you speak a few weeks ago you had a, an approach or, or you you had something people could think about fear as not being something you run away from but can you share your your thoughts about how we can use our fear to help our growth Sure. Well, I think that in the personal growth world, we've been fed a very superstitious belief, which is that fear is the opposite of love. And I just mm. don't think that's true. Um, fear um, comes from the brain in the limbic center, in the amygdala, and it's triggered whenever we uh, go into uncertain times or risk. And mm-hmm. There are all kinds of hormones that come through, like cortisol and adrenaline, and blood rushes to the extremities, um, digestion shuts down, all those things for a good purpose so that we can run or, you know, fight something, and we have that energy. And mm-hmm. so what we have to understand is that, you know, we have fear. The fear response exists for a reason because it's been a survival mechanism to help the species survive. So we need that. Um, the problem is is that the brain can't tell the difference between necessary fear being afraid of a bear running at you that could eat you versus the fear of starting a business or leaving a relationship. And we've been told that, um, you know, um, I can't think fearful thoughts because if I do, Voldemort will show up. Um, <laughs> and that's just not true. We've become sort of superstitious around it. In, in the New Age world, fear has become like the new devil, the new Lucifer. Um, and as always, you know, what we demonize is generally misunderstood. Fear is a biological response to uncertainty that is triggered whenever there's risk. And when we go on a personal growth path or an entrepreneurial path, risk is a necessary part of our life. And so we have to learn how to manage fear and see fear for what it is. And uh, one of our one of our sort of um, lessons that we teach here at Daily Love is that unless you're in mortal danger, fear is a compass showing you where to go. Mm. Unless you're in mortal danger, fear is a compass showing you where to go. So usually people come to me and they say, hey, Mastin, I feel stuck. How do I get unstuck? Or I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And the reality is people know exactly what to do. Most of the time, they're just scared to do it. And so what we have to understand is that you got to look at the three to five things that you're most scared to do. What are the three to five things that you are most scared to do? And then go in those directions. 
Because mm. ultimately, that's what's going to help set us free is facing our fears. You know, we don't need more green juice and we don't need more quinoa. What we need is more courage. <laughs> Can you share an example maybe of and when you did this in your life and, and maybe when you were truly afraid and then had an epiphany about Sure, I mean, you know, um, you know, starting a day of love was a scary thing. Writing vulnerable blogs was a scary thing. Mm. Um, you know, trying to create a seminar is scary. Going on a first date is scary. I mean, there's so many times where right before major expansion, there's fear. Mm-hmm. Everything, anytime I've ever expanded in my life, right before, there's always been fear. And then right? how did you feel after? Um, sometimes shaken, but usually freer. Right, mm-hmm. and so it's what I've realized is that when I feel that fear in my body, instead of using it as a reason to stop mm-hmm. from this moment forward, we decide, you know what, I'm going to use this as a, as a sign that I'm on the right path, and uh-huh. that is um, really been the key to my success more than anything else. Is um, you know really identifying the things that terrify me and going towards them rather than away from them. Mm. And obviously we need common sense. Like someone was like, well, Mastin, does that mean that I should run into a fire if I'm scared of the fire? And like, the answer <laughs> is obviously no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think my motto is if I know I'm not going to be physically injured and it feels like it's in tune with my my sole purpose or, you know, my guidance is guiding me, then I'll do it even if I'm afraid. And I remember the first time I was hired to speak at a conference and I knew people had paid several thousand dollars to attend and I was, there were no multiple tracks. They had to hear me. And I just memorized the first two lines of the talk, but I remember standing up there on my knees knocking together, Um, but I got through it. And then afterwards it was so freeing, like you said, because you're, I don't, from, in my experience, I'm never that afraid again, you know? And so, doing it a few times and I think people can even pick minor things if they want to just get that experience of doing something scary like they say people would rather die than speak in front of a group you know so just go try speaking in front of a group and what happens or my experience is it it's fine and then that fear is so diminished that um it frees freed me up to do lots of other things like this you know I was pretty nervous the first time I did this and I have a I think what I would call a healthy amount of fear when I start each show, probably like you do when you start right. speaking in front of a group, and right. it, it's a fuel as well. So, um, yeah, it's really kind of a, an interesting paradox, I guess you might say. That's right. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I think that what we need primarily is more courage because all of us, especially if you listen to this show, like you know the concepts. You've heard of self-love. You've heard of innovation. You've heard of entrepreneurism. You've heard of best practices. But like you guys have to apply them. Yeah. That is what life is really all about. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So if you met a corporate leader, let's say he was afraid to, he had fear about expressing emotions or being vulnerable, what advice might you give him or her? Test it out. Mm. Test it out. Measure the performance. Like, you know, if you measure it and it improves, then continue. You know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, ultimately what we're looking here, looking to do here is to serve our clients better, to increase profitability. And part of that is having happy employees and people who are able to communicate better and have better systems in place. Do a test. Try to leave a little bit more vulnerability and just see what happens. I'm not talking about just spewing out, you know, all kinds. I'm just talking like, hey, guys, we're having a problem here. Can't really figure this out. What do you think? And, like, get, let the answer come from the janitor or the CEO. Like, it doesn't matter. And really, like, open up and, and test it and see if it works for you. You know, the data shows that it does, but try it for yourself. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, I had a guest a few months ago, Barbara Corcoran. She's on the Shark Tank. And yeah. when she was running her real estate company, she said she used to start every staff meeting with her biggest error that week, just to let people know that it was okay to make mistakes and to move on. So Yes, that's uh, right. And and I think in my experience in business, there weren't a lot of leaders. Now I've been on my own for about 10 years, so hopefully it's gotten better. But many of the managers I had years ago would just not get anywhere near being vulnerable or admitting a mistake. Well, and I think at one point that it was kind of suicide in business, but now businesses are figuring out that they can't grow or innovate without just being vulnerable, whether it's in a management position or, or trying a product, you know, whatever it is, 
there's all I guess all kinds of vulnerability in a business. Um, but the right. emotional, <laughs> the emotional kind is what I think leaders are now feeling more. Um, well, so we have I guess maybe ten, eleven minutes left. Can you share about? some of the work you do with groups and, and, you know, the genesis. So you started out with the blog and tell me, I guess, share first, how did that take off? I think there was an incident that really improved the, um, the, the Twitter followers. What happened? Um, well, there's been two major significant sort of boosts in my career. Um, the, and, and by the way, have you ever had something happen where like, maybe you start something and you're insecure and you're not mm-hmm. sure whether you should do it. And then boom, you have confirmation. I'm yes. like, wow, this, I'm on the right path. Yes. So the first, like, that, when I first started Data Love, that was, my confirmation was um, uh, Kim Kardashian tweeting out to a couple million people about my account. And overnight, literally, we going from 1,000 people to 10,000 people. It was a mm. tremendous confirmation, because at that time, I was couch surfing. I ended up couch surfing for two years. Um, wow. And, you know, just being scrappy. But that was a, a very, very, very powerful um, moment for me. Um, equally powerful. Um, and different um, was a couple years after that uh, being on Super Soul Sunday which was mm. Oprah's show and, and Oprah invited me on that show um, that was incredibly powerful all of our numbers doubled and it, it, they've stayed and it's been uh, just such a blessing and such a gift that um, both of these things have happened in my life I, I, you know, I, I don't know where the day of love would be uh, without them and it's been just an incredible um, opportunity to really at the end of the day figure out how to best serve people because really ultimately doing what we do is not about us it's about the people that we're serving the people listening to our voice and improving their lives and that's mm-hmm. really um, the driving force behind what I do at the day of love is just meeting people's needs in better and better and better way um, through all of so, our products and programs, through the daily blog, through the Facebook page, through the Twitter page, and all that stuff. That's ultimately what we're all about. And I think that when you make life about that, um, life helps you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And so it sounds like you read what people, how they respond, and perhaps even feed off of that to kind of see where, what people are asking for. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. It's very important. Mm-hmm. It's all about what other people want. That's that's ultimately what we're what we're what we're moving towards, and paying attention to them as well. Are you seeing trends? Anything recently people are asking about? I mean, there's so much going on planetarily that could be terrifying to a young person as well as an older person. But certainly, you know, looking at do, do you get people that are afraid of that kind of thing? You know, either environmental crises or the Ebola scare or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the media does a really good job of um, of perpetuating fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not anti, um, you know, news by any means, but I think that there's a difference between making people aware of what's going on and fear mongering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the number one trend I'm seeing is people trying to follow their passion. Mm. You know, um, people getting married later in life. I was just at a, a Seventeen magazine, and, and their number one question from their from their girls is, you know, how do I follow my passion? Wow. So that's I mean, that's really even, what we're looking for, you know, which is beautiful. And I don't know that that was even in the language when I was seventeen. So I know that's so inspiring. <laughs> it's amazing. And there is that. Think well. You you're proving this. You know, follow your passion, follow your heart, and the success will follow the financial success. And I think then I hear people say, "Well, I tried this." So I'd love to hear maybe what you would say to somebody who said, "Well, I tried this and it and it didn't work, so I had to go back to working for somebody else." Yeah, what would you say to somebody? How many times did you try? Pardon me. I would ask that person how many times they tried. And did you oh. really get the best resources from everywhere in the world and try until you produced a result? Or did you just try a few times and barely wing it, and, you know, but you got distracted by watching Scandal? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, generally speaking, when someone says, like, I tried, like, that's not... Um, it, it, when you dive deeper into that, there's usually a story around, um, well, I, I kind of tried. You know, I've mm-hmm. never met any entrepreneur who hasn't failed. Yeah. I haven't met any entrepreneur that hasn't been through hard times. I haven't met anyone that started a business that was just handed to them and it was easy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is a very 
difficult thing that must be earned. And there are certain um, there's certain belief systems today that have turned you know the spiritual culture into a really entitled. There's a, there's a level of entitlement. Like, oh, if I think the thought of success, I deserve success. It's like, no, uh. you deserve <laughs> success if you create value for other people. That's yeah. and, and consistently. And so mm-hmm. that's ultimately what it's about. So if you if you've tried and failed, it's like try again. I mean, you know, this is like Napoleon Hill 101 when he wrote. Um, uh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this book. Um, it was oh yeah, I am too. How am I blanking on this book? It's like one of my favorite books. Anyway, um, I'll, it'll come back to me. But this whole concept of stick-to-itiveness, like I have to stick to something, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, think and grow rich. So. Yeah. It's like I have to stick to something long enough. It's like if you've quit, like you've produced your own failure. It's, mm-hmm. You know, failure comes when you decide to quit. And so ultimately, it's about sticking through things and earning it and knowing that you've got to model success. You've got to go through people, watch people who have been successful, and, mm-hmm. and do what they do. Because, you know, Tony Robbins said 100,000 times, success leaves clues, right? Mm. So you've got to find the clues and model them and, and, and consistently over a period of time. Um, mm-hmm. If you're doing it for the short-term rewards, I mean, that's not enough. you got to do it for the mission. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know the guy that people think that people that are wealthy uh, had it easy, but the, the fellow that started Starbucks declared bankruptcy four times, I think. And Colonel Sanders lived out of his car for two years trying to sell his chicken recipe. And you yeah, have it, worked. It's, it's just, it's, it, you know, most of the time, it's just not true. Right. And just knowing your story, which I think is just this gift that you've given the world about sharing it online and writing this book, it shows people how sticking with it and continuing to push through the fear and be vulnerable and be authentic, you can be successful. That's right. 100%. And ultimately, it's about making it about a mission and serving other people and not just about yourself. Because if it's about yourself... Mm you're going to be bummed out by other people having more likes and more shares and more followers because you're going to be constantly comparing yourself. But mm-hmm. if you can make your mission about serving other people, um, you're going to have that um, long-term sustainability to really keep you going during the hard times as well. Oh, well, that's beautiful. Well, we are out of time. This went really fast. I just so appreciate you being on the show today. And I hope oh, you'll come pleasure. back. And <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and I hope you'll come back again. Uh, so next Definitely. week. My- Thanks for having me on. <laughs> My pleasure. So next week, my guest will be Amy Edelstein, and we'll be discussing mindfulness in the workplace. So you won't want to miss this. And um, be sure and check out Mastin's blog as well, thedailylove.com and his book, growingintograce.com. And then for his full description of next week's show and all upcoming shows and access to all past shows and guest bios, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parrud, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 